of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Austin Carr from your Cleveland Cavaliers, and you're listening to Kenny and JT on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Cavaliers and the New York Knicks tonight right here on WHBC. We've got the pregame for you at 7 o'clock, 7.30 tip-off with Tim Alcorn calling it from the Big Apple and joining us to preview that matchup right now. Outstanding Cavaliers beat reporter Elliot's dad and a good friend of the show, Chris Fedor. How are you, CFED? I'm good, guys. What's going on? Hey, we're getting ready for this big one tonight. Both teams over 500. Both teams uh, right in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference, Chris. Cavaliers open up a three-game road trip tonight uh, in New York against the Knicks. Let's start with uh, an injury update, if you will, on uh, who's in and who's out tonight for the Cavaliers, specifically Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, and Dean Wade. What can you tell us about those guys? Yeah, Dean Wade's not even on the injury report. He was going through shoot-around earlier this morning at Madison Square Garden, and he was looking good. Um, Donovan Mitchell is officially listed as probable. I can't remember the last time a guy for the Cavs or anybody in the NBA who was listed as probable didn't turn around and play. So all indications, everything that I have heard is that Donovan is likely to play tonight, barring any kind of pregame setback or anything along those lines. Um, and then Ricky Rubio is ready to go, and nice. I'm told that his his minute limit is going to be boosted up even more as he continues to progress and as he continues to get more comfortable and the Cavs get more comfortable with him as well. So I would expect him somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 minutes tonight, really for the first time, um, if the Cavs want to play him that long, really for the first time since coming back from this torn ACL. So that's a good sign that, like every step that he has taken in this recovery, he has passed, he has looked good, and they feel confident um, continuing to um, progress on the trajectory that they wanted to progress on. Chris, I want to ask you about load management. Um, we've been hearing a lot of griping over the last week or so. Golden State comes to town, doesn't play any of their stars. Giannis doesn't play the other night either. Your thoughts on it? Is it too early? Is it, is it load management? Well, it's interesting, guys, because um, I understand where the fans are coming from, and it definitely sucks, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a fan of the Golden State Warriors and you're in Cleveland and they make one visit to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse per year and you are there the night that Steph can't play and Draymond can't play and Clay and Andrew Wiggins. The other night, I mean, there were so many Stephen Curry jerseys in the building. There were so many fans that wanted to see Steph, and they didn't get an opportunity to do that. So I understand the frustration completely, and I do think it's something that the NBA has to look at. And I know NBA Commissioner Adam Silver is going to be bombarded with those kinds of questions um, when he does his annual media availability in Salt Lake City ahead of the 2023 All-Star Game. Um, But he puts it in the hands of the team. And I think every team in the NBA, when it comes to any kind of decision that they want to make within the rules that the NBA has put in place, 
they've got to do what's best for them. And right. the, the Warriors are a team that has title aspirations. They won the championship last year, and they're trying to win the championship again um, this year. So when they're playing at the end of a long road trip and they're playing the second night of a back-to-back, they deserve the opportunity to do what it is they think is best for their guys and play who they think is best for them to play at that point in time. And for the Warriors, for the Milwaukee Bucks, for the Brooklyn Nets, those kinds of teams with championship aspirations, guys, it's not about January. It's not about February. It's not even about March. For them, it's about April, May, and June, and how do we position ourselves best? And sometimes that means doing things throughout the course of the regular season to rest guys, um, to hold them out longer from injury, to not play them on the second game of a back-to-back so that we can be at our best when it matters most to us. So I don't know exactly what it is Adam Silver can do about these teams making those decisions because they have to ultimately do what's best for them. Let's go back to that Golden State game, Chris. One of the worst Mm -hmm. games uh, I've seen a Cavaliers (laughs) team play in a long time. Well, they lost to the Warriors. That's no big deal. They've got Steph. They've got Clay. They've got Wiggins. They've got Draymond. No, they didn't have any of those guys. They sent a G League team out there, and the Cavaliers embarrassed themselves that night, Chris. Um, You were there. You got to see it in person. Take us through it, and, and what the hell happened, and have they learned from that? I mean, it was completely embarrassing. They overlooked the opponent. They didn't come out with the intensity that they needed to come out with. They gave up 21 of 43 um, uncontested three-pointers. Like, everybody was looking at that game, and they were like, oh, my gosh, how did the Warriors make 23 three-pointers with Ty Jerome and Jordan Poole and Anthony Lamb and some of the guys that they were running out there, the Warriors beat team. And it's like, these guys are in the NBA, too. So if you're going to give up 21 uncontested threes, what do you think is going to happen? So there was a level of laziness. There was a level of disrespect. There was a level of defense that we have not seen, or a lack of defense that we have not seen that often from the Cavs throughout the course of this season. They pride themselves on that end of the floor. And to give up that many open threes, to give up that many points to an opponent like that, it was. It was completely embarrassing, and they deserved all the criticism that they got that night from everybody, including head coach J.B. Bickerstaff. Um, sometimes there are losses throughout the course of a season that are completely inexplicable, and to me, that one is at the top of that list of any team around the NBA. Sometimes um, they need I it, do too. Think, I do think they learned their lesson a little mm-hmm. bit, though, because if you think about it, they were thrown back into that same, we can overlook our opponent, we don't have to bring our best the next night against the Milwaukee Bucks because Milwaukee didn't have Chris Middleton. Milwaukee didn't have Giannis. And even though the Cavs got down early in that game, um, they led for a majority of that game. They took their opponent more seriously than they did the previous night, and they came out with a different level of effort, a different approach a different level of attention to detail. Like all those things that were lacking against the Warriors were there against Milwaukee, and that was not Milwaukee at its best either. So I do think that was an example of them learning their lesson. Chris, obviously we're going to talk about the trade deadline, but I want you to break down the trade deadline for me for a second first. Last year at the trade deadline, they go out, they bring in Karis LeVert. Why do you do that in a young team last year? Is it because you want to make the play-in tournament that they think they were going to make the postseason? So, in other words, 
usually, like, if we're down the stretch in baseball, we're buyers or sellers because we want to make it into the tournament. It doesn't necessarily work that way, and we saw that it didn't work that way last year. So if you take that into account, are we merely going to try to make a trade just to say that we made a trade at the trade deadline, or would it behoove them, I like that word, Kenny, to wait and maybe see if they can get an expiring contract? And if they do, and the trade deadline is February 9th, when is the expiring contracts that they might be able to add to this roster with an expiring contract of a veteran? You know, guys, I think the Karis LeVert trade had a lot of different layers to it last year, but I don't think we can overlook the fact that, number one, at the time that they traded for him, he was under contract for another year and a half, basically. So they got an extra year of Karis LeVert, and that's one of the things that they liked about him. Not only did he help um, fill some of the, the, the gaps that the Cavs were missing because Colin Sexton was hurt for the year, um, because Ricky Rubio was out for the year, and then ultimately part of that package to Indiana. Um, so he helped them in the short term. There was no doubt about that, but he also fit the timeline. He also fit the age. He also fit the, the, the style and the personality of the locker room. So he was a fit for a number of different reasons. And they knew that they would encounter a situation this coming year that they're in right now where Karras was going to be on an expiring contract, and if the trade didn't work out the way that they intended it to, they could use him as a trade asset, and they could flip him um, for somebody that would be a better fitting piece um, if that's ultimately what they decided after they got basically a free look at Karras. The other thing that we can't overlook is that, number one, their, their first-round pick has not conveyed yet to Indiana. It looks like it's going to convey this year. And they got Ricky Rubio back. So one of the pieces that they gave up in order to get Karis LeVert, they felt confident that they were going to be able to get back in free agency because Ricky had such a great relationship with the organization. He had such a great relationship with his teammates. And there was a chance that he was going to come back in, in free agency. And ultimately he did. Saying all of that, you know, if you look at this year's trade deadline, um, there aren't a lot of clear-cut buyers right now because the play-in tournament has opened it up for a lot of people to, to chase whatever it is they want to chase instead of blowing up their roster. Like, there are some teams that are open for business right now, obviously. You know, San Antonio, Houston, Orlando. But for the most part, there are these other fringy-type teams that are saying, we've got a reason to stay in this. We can get a play-in tournament and then maybe make the playoffs. Um, so that's one of the things that I think is going to lead to like a quieter trade deadline, a slower trade deadline. And for the Cavs, I don't see them in a situation where they're just going to make a trade just to make a trade. But the truth is, if they're going to try and um, improve this roster, if they're going to get a piece to this team that they need and they don't currently have, their best path of doing that is one Isaac Okoro, which I'm told that there isn't anybody out there that's currently quote unquote available that the Cavs would trade Isaac for, um, or Karis Levert, who is on an expiring contract and doesn't look like the most seamless fit with this group of players because Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are so responsible for the ball handling, the playmaking, the shot creation and all that kind of stuff. So if the Cavs are going to make that trade that's going to make them a better team, more than more likely than not, Karras would have to be included in it. 
All right, Chris, February 9th trade deadline. We'll see if the Cavs uh, trade for a wing, or do they just wait till after the trade deadline and then uh, wait uh, for teams to make a trade and then somebody buys somebody out and they have that uh, 15th spot open right now on the roster at about $2.5 million to maybe go get somebody. Is that the angle? Yeah, that's certainly a possibility. That's something that they would absolutely consider. I don't know who necessarily fits that mold. Um, Maybe keep an eye on a team like Washington. They might buy out Will Barton or something along those lines. But when you're talking about the buyout market, the last guy that had a significant impact on what a team did in the postseason after being bought out was who? I don't know. I can't even think about it. Um, So the guys that are available typically on the buyout market are not needle movers. They're not impact guys. Um, All right. And I wanna, there's a lot of competition, too. You have to think yeah, about that. There are other that's teams true. that might be better positioned, for one reason or another, to get those kinds of players other than the Cavs. All right, last thing, we'll let you go here, Chris. Uh, tonight they're playing the New York Knicks. We've got it at 7.30 here on WHBC. You mentioned it a couple of times in uh, this conversation today about Cavaliers starting slow. Why is it that they start slow, Chris? And it always seems like they're they're playing uphill, especially when they're on the road and uh, they get close and they run out of gas. So uh, what has to happen tonight to get off to a good start to beat the Knicks? And why has this continued to happen? I have absolutely no idea, to be perfectly (laughs) honest with you. You know, sometimes these teams, guys, just develop bad habits that are tough to break, and I think it's a bad habit that they've developed here, and they're going to have to find a way to break it. I asked J.B. Bickerstaff during the most recent road trip that we were on, it was at a time that they were coming from behind, and they had all these wins despite trailing after three quarters, and they had all these wins despite – I'm trailing throughout the course of the game by double digits. And I said, like, look, how do you look at this as, as a head coach? Do you say, right. way to go, guys, way to gut through, way to show that you can overcome adversity and, and no deficit is too big? Or as a coach, are you pissed because you keep getting down by double digits in these games? Right. And he was like, it pisses me off. Like, I don't know why these guys continue to do that to me. Um, And I don't know why these guys have developed that kind of habit. It's hard to explain, to be perfectly honest with you. The only thing that I can think of, and this isn't an excuse, it's kind of like the reality of the team that we're dealing with here. They haven't accomplished anything, really. If you think about it, they're learning things on the fly. They're, They're getting these harsh lessons on the fly that they need. They need this level of experience. There's a, a level of immaturity to, to this roster, and there's a level of immaturity to the way that they play the game. And I think that's just because they haven't gone through these things together as a team. And the only way that they're going to experience the things that they need to experience is by getting in those positions and actually experiencing them. But it's one of the youngest contending teams out there, um, and they're both young from an age perspective and they're young from playing together as a team perspective. We'll see if they get off to a good start tonight against the New York Knicks and get a road victory to pick up win number 30 on the season. Chris Fedor, great insight as always. Keep up the fantastic work at Cleveland.com, the plane dealer. You can follow Chris at Chris Fedor on Twitter on a daily basis for the latest on your Cleveland Cavaliers. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Safe travels on this road trip, my friend. You got it, guys. Anytime. Thank you.